While we're standing, let's read Mark chapter 3. And uh, we're going to read verses 13 through 15 from the Message Bible. Can we read together, please? He climbed a mountain and invited those he wanted with him. They climbed together. He settled on 12 and designated them apostles. The plan was that they would be with him. And he would send them out to proclaim the word and give them authority to banish demons. Take your seats, everybody. Welcome to Mission Sunday. Such a joy to be in his presence. Wasn't that a great report from down south? Come on. Eloquatini or what, what's the name of that place? Really exciting, right near Swaziland. East, what's it called now? Eswatini is the, is the official name. Eswatini. And uh, we give God praise. We give God thanks. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of really not being able to go into homes, connect and have relationship. It's just, uh, it's just amazing. They're still continuing to push forward. Do what you got to do. Amen? That's right. There are two words in verse 14 that I'm going to begin with. The plan was that they would be with him and he would send them out to proclaim the word. The plan. The plan. Two incredible words. Christ was sent to earth with a plan. Obvious to us now, the plan was to redeem man by going to the cross, bearing the sins of fallen man, taking my place, taking your place. We're so grateful to God for that. None of us would be here today if it hadn't been for the plan. I want you to say those two words with me. The plan. Come on, say it out loud. The plan. The plan was that they would be with him. The plan of the ages began with Christ inviting 12 to be with him. Now get this, the plan of the ages to come to redeem mankind, fallen man, to redeem, to buy back, to bring man back to God by the shedding of the blood of an innocent lamb. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, John said, behold, the lamb, not a lamb, the lamb. In the Old Testament, it was an it was a lamb morning and evening, but Jesus is the lamb. And when John saw Jesus, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So that was the plan. The plan was that the lamb of God would be sacrificed, shed his blood to remove, to, to redeem us, to buy us back to God. And the plan, this plan of the ages, began with Christ 
inviting, pardon me, inviting 12 to be with him. You like my cute little glass? It fits under this crazy shield. Now you know. Now you know. You've always wondered, what is up with this crazy little glass? Well, some weeks ago, when we first, months ago, when we first started wearing these shields, I would try to drink some water and it would knock me in the head. That's not God. So, so these guys got me a nice little fancy little deal here. We may be starting something that's going to go worldwide. (laughs) And we can all say it started here. The plan of the ages began with Christ. All right, let's get down to business. The plan of the ages began with Christ inviting 12 to be with him. Then sending them out to proclaim the word under his authority, setting people free that were held captive by Satan's power. It began. Everybody say began. Say it out loud. It began. This plan began with a small group. I don't know if you've ever seen this or realized this before. This plan began with a small group. This great plan of the ages began with a small group. Everybody say small group. It didn't start with Jesus. Well, I'm going to get, I mean, I get ahead of myself. It began with a small group of men, but not just a small group of men. It began with a small group of men being with him. Being with him. Being with him. Before he sent them out, they were with him. They were being with him. Jesus started gathering, listen, Jesus started gathering these men before ever having an evangelistic campaign. Jesus started gathering these men before ever preaching a sermon in public. Thus, listen, the knowledge of Christ, thus the knowledge of Christ, his heart, his passion, his mission, It was gained by association before it was understood by explanation. Now you got to grasp that. The heart of Jesus, the, the passion of Jesus, the focus of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus in in bringing this plan and fulfilling the plan of the ages, it was first gained by association before it was understood by explanation. Now let's fast forward and let's picture Jesus as he prepares to go to the cross. He's praying to his father in John chapter 17 and Jesus recounts his ministry in the world. Here's how Jesus, in praying to his father just before the cross, here's how he recounts the ministry that he's had in the world. In verse 4 he says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Then he describes that work in verse 6 by saying, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. 
Verse 12, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Now think about it with me. When Jesus summarizes His work on earth, I have completed the work you gave me to do. My work was to reveal to you, reveal to those you have given me. Revealed you to those you have given me. So think about it. When Jesus summarizes his work on earth, he doesn't start reliving all the great sermons that he preached. When Jesus starts recounting the work that God gave him to do, he doesn't talk about all the people who came to listen to him. When Jesus recounts the work God gave him to do on earth, he doesn't recall the amazing miracles he performed giving sight to the blind, making the lame to walk, feeding thousands of people with a small amount of food. He doesn't even mention bringing back the dead to life. Instead, he talks repeatedly about the small group. Say small group. You didn't say it real well. Say small group. He repeatedly He repeatedly talks about the small group of men God gave him. They were the work God had given him to do. They were, in actual fact, his life. Then he said to his father in verse 13, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they, they, this small group, may have the full measure of my joy within them. And this is what our Small group life should be full of joy. This is what our small group should be like. I am saying these things in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. That's the difference right there. Don't you love to go where there's joy? Don't you love to kind of connect where there's joy? And this is what our life should be like. In our cell groups, joyous. Christ staked everything on his relationship with these men. And they, other than Judas, were to be the small group responsible for carrying out and carrying on everything that Jesus had begun. He staked everything on his small group, on his relationship on his relationship with these men. And they were, they were to be the ones. They were to be the ones responsible for carrying on everything Jesus had begun. Now, the book of Acts reveals that the plan, the plan, remember the plan. The book of Acts reveals that the plan was the success. Thousands were added on the day of Pentecost. Multiplication in Acts chapter 2. Thousands were added and then multiplication followed as they met in the temple and house to house. The temple is the large group expression, the celebration services, such as we're having here today. This is the temple gathering. Awesome. It's amazing. And they, they multiplied as they met in temple 
which is the large group expression, the celebration services, and from house to house, which is the small group expression, which is the cell. And this is what we call the two-winged church. The two-winged church. Later we see the two-winged church. Again in Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. Day after day after day. In Acts 5.42 it says, In the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped preaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. I want you to go back to the graphic, please, of two wings. Whatever has two wings has stability. The two-wing church, the temple is one wing. House to house is the second wing. Whatever has two wings has the ability or has stability, but not only stability, it has the ability to arise and soar to the heights for which it's destined. So powerful. Having just one wing causes the bird to go in circles. It must have both if it's going to have proper flight, stable flight, and if it's going to come to the fullness of the heights to which it's destined. Today we continue our series we began last Sunday, and I'm so excited, renewing our cell life, renewing our life in our small groups, renewing our cell life. In the moments together today, I want to focus on this question, why cells? Why cells? Not the how of cells or the how of small groups, but the why. And I want you to take note of this before we move on. Write this down or take note of this. Understanding and embracing the why prior to the how positions us for renewal. Understanding and embracing the why prior to the how positions us for renewal. If you put the how before the why, it can it can become heavy. It can become like a task-oriented situation. And, but if, if you understand the why and the how follows, bam, that's, that's, that's the plan coming together right there. So understanding and embracing the why prior to the how positions us for renewal. Once you get the why, the how follows. This is so foundational in our insight, in our insight training track. It, it's, it's what I'm presenting in this right here, the why and the how. This is so, so foundational and so incredibly powerful in its understanding as it's broken down. Now, once you get the why, the how follows. You see, Jesus spent much of his time seeking to form the disciples' understanding of the why of the why behind his life and his teachings and his actions. And how often his disciples failed to understand. For sure, they didn't grasp the why of the cross. They didn't really grasp the why of the cross. This being the, the this is the very reason they locked themselves away in fear. It's because they didn't understand the why. 
the two on the road to Emmaus said to Jesus, who he, they didn't recognize him, we thought as they walked along and Jesus came alongside them, the two on the road to Emmaus are Emmaus, as some people say. They ro- walked on the road to Emmaus and Jesus came alongside and says, what is it you guys are talking about? And they're like, are you a stranger? You don't know what's going on around here? And he said, tell me. And they ended up telling him, and they said, we thought. They didn't understand the why. The why of the cross. This is the reason the grave clothes of Christ were held by Peter in Luke chapter 24. And the Bible says he wondered, how? How? How can this be? How? In fact, it was Peter's failure to understand the why that drove him to return to his fishing. In John chapter 21, after Jesus' death on the cross. Now to lay hold, to lay hold on the, of the why, I want to take the word cell, C-E-L-L. And I'm going to look at this word, each letter, over the next few weeks. And we're going to begin today with the letter C, which stands for cell. C-E-L-L. Each Sunday we'll take a letter of this word. And then we're going to look at the some, some insight into it. And we're going to look at the word, uh, the letter C today. In the natural, cell are the basic building blocks of all life forms. Cells. Let's talk about cells for a minute. Our life began as a single, your life, my life, began as a single solitary cell. Deep in the womb of our mom, unseen to the natural eye, at the, at the time of conception, all of us were one single cell. Growth and maturity of that one cell resulted in multiplication, causing the body to grow. Get this. Scientists tell us that within 30 hours of conception, that single cell, you and I, divided into two. Fifteen hours later, the two multiplied to four. And then began a process of multiplication so incredible that the estimated number of cells in the average human adult body, and these are 2021 figures. They've been studying this, and, and, and uh, they've come up with it in, in this year. The scientists say that the number of cells in the average adult human body are 37 trillion. That's 37 with 12 zeros behind it. 37 trillion. It works, my friend. (laughs) Now, from an event that I encountered, I want to take a moment and just tell you a story. I want to tell you about how I begin to grasp and how I begin to understand that cells or small groups are to be the basic units of life within the local church. I want to tell you a little story. I, it's not little to me. It's, 
It's a defining moment in my life, actually. It's a defining moment in my ministry. I learned, as a result of this story, I learned that the cell, the life-producing unit of the church, is where discipling occurs. And that's, discipling is producing the fruit that lasts. The discipling, win souls and make disciples. The, the, the discipling takes place in the small group, and that's, that's where fruit is produced that lasts. Because Jesus, as we saw last week, said he chose his disciples to go and bear fruit. We saw it the week before as well. Fruit that will last, fruit that will remain. That's a result of discipling. And that discipling takes place in the cell, in the small group. And from the cell, outreach is made into the community, which is winning. Win souls and make disciples. And I came to realize and understand that this is all contained in this basic unit of life within the local church. It's where discipling and it's where winning takes place. As the, as the cell goes out, it's going to produce, it's, it's going to win rather, and it's going to bring in and then in the cell, discipling begins one-on-one. To raise up great men and women. Let me tell you the story. Can I take three or four minutes and tell you the story? When we came to Nairobi, way back, when we came to the, to the city, I knew the what. I knew the what. I knew what. I knew the what. I knew what. God was sending us here to do. And it was in two areas. Number one, focus on the unsaved and the unchurched. We came, my wife and I, with a heart to focus on the unsaved and the unchurched. Not to build on someone else's foundation, but to focus on the unsaved and the unchurched. Secondly, from Genesis chapter 14 and verse 14, God gave us this scripture where Abraham, having heard that Lot had been taken captive in warfare, the Bible says that Abraham called 318 men, listen to this, trained in his own house to go to battle. So secondly, I knew we were to raise up and train those whom we would win from the unsaved and the un bring in from the unchurched, we were to train, raise them up and train them to go out and reach the city, the nation, and beyond. That's what we came here for. So we planted NLC. And we began with nine adults and 13 children. And around five years into the plant, we were in a season of harvest. Our services were packed. Altars were filled. Many coming to Christ each and every service. And as they were coming to Christ, I began to wonder how. How. Please take note of that word. I began to wonder how. How can we follow up and how can we care for 
these new believers, as we were just a handful on staff, we're just a few people. How? All these people that are lining up and coming to Christ, how are we going to do this? And while I'm in this dilemma, a young lady makes an appointment. And this is the defining moment right here. She came to my office, to our office, and she was asking me to share with her the vision of NLC. Pastor, what's the vision of NLC? And my immediate thought was, she's probably one of the new believers. And how good of her to come and ask in her just being a new believer. And after sharing, I asked her a question. I said, tell me, how long have you been at NLC? And when she said, three years. Three years. I wasn't prepared for that answer. I, I quickly prayed with her. She left. I redirected the rest of my day's appointments. And I went to my office window. And I just began to stare outside of my office window. So stirred, I'm so burdened. I'm burdened even to the point of tears. And I'm trying to deal with the reality of her sitting three years at NLC, a face in the crowd. I'm trying to begin to, I'm shaking, I'm being shaken. I'm trying to deal with the realization that I don't know so many people in the church. I only have a short amount of time every week to try to influence and pour in and minister to them. Of course, we rely on the Holy Spirit, but <clears throat> this really shook me when she said three years. So immediately the questions began to flood my heart again. How? How can we connect them, care for them, settle and establish them? I'm focusing again on the how. How can we change this situation? And in that quandary, and in that struggle, and in that wrestling some days later, a book arrived that was sent by a friend, and it was entitled, <laughs> Where Do We Go From Here? Where do we go from here? And I looked at the bottom of that, just under the title, I looked at a subtitle, I, and, and, and here's, here's what was written right under the title, a handbook on the cell group church. A handbook on the cell group church. I opened its pages and what I found there changed our lives and the life of our church as I began to learn the why. As I began to learn the why followed by the how. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And Jesus, again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Everybody say, the house. The house. This is where I begin to understand the why. Everything we're seeking to do is to bring transformation to the house, to the home. 
Everybody who comes to the temple and receives from the temple service gets up and goes home. And so we begin to understand the why. The why we have got to see as well as our temple celebration services alive with the power and the presence of God, that same power and that same presence has to be at home. Resident within the community so that everyone around the communities can see that Jesus is in the house. Woohoo! My life was changed, Miss Amy's life, all of our lives. Jesus in the house, impacting the entire community around that house. Then it began, to, it began to come to us, that young lady, three years, sitting in the church. We can connect her into relationship. I am one, only one, Miss Amy's only one individual, but we can raise up. Mighty men and great men and women and we can train them and prepare them and ready them to take the presence of Jesus and together we gather a group, a small group. I came to the realization that that time that as, as Nairobi Lighthouse Church grows larger, it must grow smaller. And that's what we began dreaming over, and that's what we began working towards. And we worked our fingers to the bone year after year after year after year. We began a dream of capturing our homes for Jesus. We came to understand that the cell group, the small group that gathers in homes, it provides neighborhoods and estates and communities access to a strong presence a strong group of believers. Cell, we came to understand, cell provides a church without walls. It hit, it, the realization came to us, most people from your community are not going to come into the walls of this building, but they will come to your house. You're not shouting as good as I'm preaching. A non-threatening, non-walled environment. And as such, those without the Lord are more readily open to the gospel. Sales provides an environment for people to bond. A gathering of believers who care. A gathering of believers who have open hearts and open doors. People in love with Jesus who serve and reach out. Cells so alive with the presence of Jesus. It will be noise to everyone around them. Jesus is in the house. Come on, give him praise. Give him glory. Lord, we've been so, we've been so consumed. We've been so focused on so many other things, Lord, in this season and Renew us right now. Lord, all that area of deterioration, my God, that's, we've just been spending this past week in prayer and fasting, crying out for renewal, oh God, and calling upon your name for those areas that have deteriorated and, and we found ourselves lacking it, that, that passion and consumed with other things. Right now in the name of Jesus, 
return our hearts to our small group, return our hearts to our leadership, return our hearts to the fullness of what you have for us, God. Thank you for the presence of Jesus invading our hearts, each and every one of us, that we leave here with the presence of God and we gather this week with the presence of God so evident. And our communities will hear once again, Jesus is in the house and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.